Well, welcome to Belong Church. Once again, I know we greet you a hundred times as we do this, and it's so awesome to see you on this first Sunday in the month of June. If you can imagine, it's crazy that we're already almost halfway done through this year. It just seems like yesterday we had Christmas and here we are. Of course, we just got through with all the graduations and maybe there's still a few that are straggling along, but we're just so happy as we head into these summer months. It's going to be a great time with family and just maybe taking a break and just hopefully it's just the best summer you've ever had. Well, speaking of summer, I actually went to summer camp years ago when I was a kid, and it was a wonderful opportunity. That's where I found out about the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in speaking in other tongues, and it was just the most amazing thing for me. But there's a song that they had us learn every year, and it's called I Am a P, standing for I Am a Promise. With the capital P, it said. And in the middle of that song, it says, I'm filled with potentiality. Of course, it rhymed, and it was sweet, and it was wonderful. But I can remember as this young child trying to even say the word potentiality was just too much of a mouthful. But I love the image that it started putting inside of me, and then as they described it. So even though it's such a big word... It is big for us. Last week, we talked about success and how what success might look like and how your success can be you just striving after your own things, or you can actually go and strive after your things in God's plan. And we saw that God has a plan for us. I said this, and you'll see it on the screen again from, from last week. It says, success is succeeding every day in at least one thing advancing your vision, dreams, and goals. And we looked at that, that was something that may just be um, what you're doing for your personal goals, and it'd be like for personal betterment of yourself. But then we looked at the ultimate success is when you're doing something to advance God's plans for your life. And one of the things that we're really big on here as a church is getting everyone to do the small everyday things and finding out what God has got for you. And, and one of those things is the one-year Bible and, and worship in the first 15. So you spend the first five minutes of your day in worship and then in the next five minutes in, in reading some out of the five-year, uh, the one-year Bible, just five minutes and then five minutes praying and just, uh, just starting your day off with the first 15. And there's so many of the little things that we can do, but succeeding every day in at least one thing. So as you would look at the things that God's calling you to, and if, as he nudges you and kind of says, hey, I want you to go this direction, and, and he's really good about revealing that to us, making sure every day we advance in that. See, because I believe God gives us a vision, but he gives us, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, just a piece of the puzzle while he sees the finished picture. See, he knows the beginning from the end, the Bible says. So he knows everything completely that's going to happen. In fact, he forgave you of every sin you not only have already committed up to today, but every sin you'll commit in your life. He knew everything you would make. He knew every mistake you would make. He knew every time you would fail. And yet he still chose to love you. Someone needs to hear that this morning because you may think I've gone too far. There's no way that God could forgive me for fill in the blank. 
And yet, he knew your beginning from the end. See, God sees the forest, but you're the tree. God gives you an acorn, and inside that little tiny acorn is the fulfillment of everything to produce an entire wonderful tree. But all we see is the acorn. We see this small thing that looks of little significant and many times insignificant. And while it's just a seed, that is not the end. But the end, is re- the end result is wrapped up completely in that seed. God sees the forest in the acorn. God sees the fulfillment of all the potentiality of that acorn, of that seed. He sees the force that it will create when he looks at that acorn. Yet we look at the acorn and we only see an acorn. Everyone is called by God, but what happens when we don't plant that seed? What do we do when God's given us this call on our life and he's given us one of those puzzle pieces and you look at it and go, eh, that's pretty insignificant. I really shouldn't do anything with that. And we don't plant that seed. We don't take an effort every day to advance that call, to advance that calling that he has on our lives because we don't plant it. We don't do anything with it. See, one of the the four tenets that we have as a church, number three actually, is discover your purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose that God created and ordained inside of us to make a difference in this world. And right now, you might not even understand what that is. You might not know what that looks like. And you might say, it's just this tiny acorn. What could I do? But God wants you to get planted. God will call you, but the forest comes in obedience. And that obedience comes from being planted. Planted in doing what God's called you to do. Getting into a church and just saying, hey man, I'm going to dig in with both arms and feet and I'm going to get planted in here and I'm going to take, hey, if they want me to go to growth track, I'm going to go to growth track. It may not make any sense to me. If they want me to read the one year Bible, that seems so crazy. Why do I need to read that? I'm going to do it just because I don't understand it doesn't mean I'm not going to plant that seed. But what if an acorn is never planted and it diminishes because of rot? Does that take away from its possibilities? Does that diminish its potentiality? It doesn't. It was all still wrapped up in that even though it never realized it. And I believe there's going to be many people who get to heaven and when they see what God had planned for them, they're like, oh my gosh. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I missed what God had because I didn't plant. You need to get planted and grow. Romans 11, verse 29, out of the NLT, it says, For God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. In other words, God gives you this calling and he gives you this purpose. And if you never discover it, it's never going to be withdrawn. So if you're in the last stages of your life, not saying that you know when you're going to die, but if you're in your way up numbers, they're really, really high numbers, you know you're closer to the end than you are when you're five. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to dig myself into a pit here. 
But even if you're in an advanced stage of life, and you say, it's too much for me, I'm too old, I can't do it, my time has passed. No, I'm going to tell you that God's call and his gifts in your life are never withdrawn. Let me say it like this. If you're still breathing, they're still there. Another way it says in the New King James Version, um, it says, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. And I looked up that word irrevocable or um, it withdrawn in, in the other translation, and it literally means it's unregretted. It means not to be repented of. God says, hey, I'm never going to be sorry that I gave you this gift, that I gave you this possibilities, that I gave you this potentiality. I'm never going to regret it. It's going to be there with you until your last breath. And the the Living Bible, it says, for God's gifts and his call can never be withdrawn. He will never go back on his promises. When he says, I have great plans for you in Jeremiah 29, 11, he says, this is the plans I've got for you. And they're, man, they're awesome. They're never going to be withdrawn. He'll never go back on his promises, no matter what you do. As we saw last week, you can build your life or you on the way that you want to do it or the way God created you to do it. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth. In other words, don't live just for yourself. Don't just do it because this is how I want to do me and I'm going to be a self-made man like we talked about last week. Jesus continues on, We're moth and rust destroy it. So no matter how great you are, no matter how much intentionality you put into it, and no matter how much success you have, it's always deteriorating. It's always being sucked out. Or where thieves can break in and steal. Verse 20, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where none of that happens and no one can steal it. Because you don't know if you're putting all your efforts into here, you don't know when your last breath is. You don't know when today is the last day and you don't promise tomorrow. Jesus went on to say in Luke chapter 12, verse 16, he told him this parable. The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store all my crops? In other words, he had such overabundance that he says, what am I going to do to store it all? Then he said to himself, verse 18, this is what I will do. I will tear down all of my barns and build larger ones. Man, I've got so much here. Rather than giving it away or to help other people, I'm just going to store it bigger and bigger for me. And look how great I am. And there I will store all my grain and all my goods, verse 20. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own what you've prepared? Verse 21, so the man who stores up treasure for himself, so is the man who stores up treasure for himself. That you say, man, it's all about me and is not rich towards God. In other words, you put all of your thing into building bigger barns, 
instead of planting seeds, instead of putting yourself into being a giver to people who need it. Because around that person that is having a bumper crop are people who need. Don't build bigger barns. Plant the seeds. See, that harvest can either be seeds that you're storing up to have a harvest, or you can turn around and plant them for more. Last week, we looked at the parable of the sower and the seed that fell on stony ground. And it's one of my favorite parables in the whole Bible. And we see all the different things. The seed was not the issue. It was where it was planted. The ground, the soil, the different things. And we looked at stony ground last week. We're going to look at this week, verse 18 of Mark chapter 4. Still others, like the seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. So Jesus is saying it's like when you're planting the seed and it's going down into place where there's already a bunch of thorns. This is what it's like for us in our lives. That you hear the word. You come to church, you listen to a podcast, you watch somebody on TV, you watch our YouTube channel, however you're getting the word. You hear the word, look at the verse 19, but the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things, they come in and they choke it, making it unfruitful. But how easy is it for any one of us to have the worries of this life come in and choke us out. How easy is it for us to be laying there in bed, trying to go to sleep and going, how am I going to make it through tomorrow? From the simplest of a student that's studying for a test and they don't feel prepared, all the way for someone who's an employee and they have a meeting with the boss the next day and they don't know if it's going to go well. Or the stress of how much it was too much today at work and I don't know how I can face tomorrow or any other of the triggers that are anxiety. So many people are facing anxiety. The worries of this life choke us out. Or the deceitfulness of wealth to think, man, look at all the money I've got. I'm okay or the desires for other things. See, that is what happens to so many of us. That the Word of God comes. It's great seed. It's there. There's great potentiality. But we look at it, and we compare it to our life. And say, well, that sounds well and good, but you don't understand the problems I've got. You don't understand the family situations I've got on. You don't understand, and you start filling in the blanks, the worries of this life. Or you say, I really can't be involved with this church thing or following God thing because I, I've got to work. I've got to make this money. Or what is the desires that you're chasing? And it makes the Word of God unfruitful. Of the disciples that Jesus had, there was the 12. And he, one day we're going to go through all of them and just go through the story of them all coming and Jesus calling them all. It's an actual 
fabulous story and just fascinating to listen to. But Peter is the one who, you know, he had the 12, and then he had the three, and then he had the one that was just there with him all the time. And, and Peter, of course, is one of the 12, and he's one of the three, so he's really tight with Jesus, and then he's the one that really was so tight with Jesus. But he was a wild card. The boy's always spouting off his mouth. He's always just like ready to, you know, go before he's engaged his mind. Like so many of us, well, maybe not you, but I'll just claim it for myself. I'll be honest. I'll be transparent. You know, I can get myself in trouble better than anybody else can. Throughout the whole Bible, and you're reading in the New Testament, you see Peter. And you're like, oh, Peter, Peter. And yeah, he's with Jesus. He's the closest one to Jesus. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he's been with him for three years. In Matthew 16, verse 23, you can look it up. We're not going to put it on the screen for you. You can go read it and read deeper down into it if you're taking notes. Jesus is saying, who do you guys say that I am? Who does the people say that I am? And Peter spouted off. He says, you're the Christ. And Jesus replied to him, Peter, you didn't get that from yourself. You heard from my father. Good job, Peter. The same way I'm hearing from my father, you're hearing from my father. That's great because the only way you got that revelation that just kind of came up from inside of you is because my father revealed it to you. And then the next breath, Jesus says, and I'm going to go to the cross. And Peter goes, no, you're not. You can't do this. And Jesus turns in the next breath and says, get behind me, Satan. So one minute he says Peter's hearing directly from God, kudos, yay, good job, Peter, you're doing it. And the next minute he's calling him Satan, rebuking Satan through the words of Peter. Jesus goes on to talk. And in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, he says, Simon, Simon, he's given emphasis there. He goes, Satan has asked to sift all of you. And another translation says, you, Peter, as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. Man, that's awesome for Jesus to have this insight and say, Peter, this is what's going on in the realms that you can't see. But Jesus tells Peter, I prayed for you. That's amazing to think about Jesus praying me. And yet the Bible says that Jesus has gone on and he sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and for me. He goes on. I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. But look at this. Period. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brother's. The NASB says, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. Verse 32, but I prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus is telling him, hey, there's this campaign. There's this conspiracy to take you out, Peter. But I'm praying for you. But I know you're going to miss it. And when you do, Peter, I want you to come back. When your faith comes back, when you turn again. So if you've walked away from God, he's not surprised. 
But he's still sitting here going, hey, when you come back, you need to strengthen those other people. See, that test that you went through that maybe you didn't pass as well as you would like to, that thing that you say, man, I wish, I knew I shouldn't have done that, and look how this turned out so badly. He goes, yeah, listen, turn that test into a testimony and strengthen your brothers. Don't let it take you out of the game. An article from Edwin Thomas says, the first step in the process of sifting wheat is to loosen the chaff from the edible grain, which is called threshing. And the old-fashioned way to do this is to spread the wheat onto a floor made of stone or concrete and tamped, or the tamped earth, where it's all really hard, and to beat it down with a flail. So, Peter, you're, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. It means he wants to put you between a rock and a hard place, and he wants to beat you up. Jesus says, but I've prayed for you. In Genesis chapter 4, in the very beginning of the Bible, God made Adam and Eve, and then they had Cain and Abel. And Cain has got this struggle going on, and he's so having a problem with anger. And God is there giving advance warning like God, Jesus is giving advance warning to Peter. Look at verse 7 in the second part of it. It says, sin is crouching at your door, Cain. It's desires to have you. But you must rule over it. In the NASB it says, sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. But you must master it. And we know the, the sin that was crouching at his door was anger and jealousy enough to kill his own blood, brother, his flesh and blood. And even though God warned him, hey, sin is, is just right there at your door. It's ready to just jump in. It's crouching in the bushes like, hey, I'm ready to take you out. Jesus said to Peter, Peter, the devil has got a plan to take you out. He's going to put you down between a rock and a hard place. He's going to beat you up goes on to say, you're even going to deny me, Peter. Peter replied in Luke 22, verse 33. But he said to him, he, Peter, said to Jesus, Lord, with you I'm ready to go both to prison and to death. There he is just spouting off his mouth like I can so easily do. And Jesus said to him, verse 34, I say to you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you've denied me three times that you even know me. I want you to see something. Peter was admonished. He was told that there's this plan to take you out. He was then warned. Jesus says, I'm praying for you. The king of all kings, the one who's the greatest example he spent all this time with 24-7, he's so close with him, says, hey, man, this is coming, and I'm praying for you. Fail. failed happened three times as it continues on in Luke 22 verse 60 the third time Peter replied man I don't even know what you're talking about just as he was speaking the rooster crowed verse 61 the Lord Jesus turned 
and looked straight at Peter, made eye contact with Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord has spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times. And he, Peter, went out and wept bitterly. Can you imagine? You have Jesus, the Son of God, the one you've seen all these miracles happen with. He's telling you, hey, Peter, watch out. Red flags, hello, watch out. This is coming. The devil's out to get you. You got a big target on you. He's coming for you. Hey, Peter, watch out. You're going to deny me. Man, I'm praying for you that you come through. You don't do this. And, and, And he doesn't listen. He gets so caught up that he does it one time, two times, three times. And the third time he looks and Jesus looks at stops in his, all of his trouble and looks and says, Peter, I warned you. And he realized it. Can you imagine the shame? Can you imagine the worthlessness that came over Peter? God warned you. He told you specifically. He still did it. See, by our standards, Peter was the last person who should continue to minister. Man, he missed it big. I mean, you can't have a bigger mess up than this, can you? I mean, Jesus himself said, hey, this is coming. This is what's going to happen. It's going to happen today. You better watch out because the rooster before it happened. Man, I'm praying you make the right decisions. And he made the wrong decisions. Yet it was actually Peter that we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 14. It's recorded that he's the one who addressed the crowds. See, Peter's potential wasn't squandered. By his missing it. Peter made enough mistakes to say, I'm done. I'm disqualified. There's no way I can keep going. But Jesus had prayed for him and says, I'm praying you don't lose your faith. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Let those places where you've missed it, even though you were warned, even though you knew you shouldn't do it, let those turn into a testimony to strengthen those that are around you. Can I tell you this morning, regardless of how much you've missed it, irrespective of how you're convinced that you're beyond saving, in spite of everyone's opinion of you, God loves you. And he's waiting there with open arms. What do you think the other people, the other 10 disciples thought about Peter? They were with Jesus and they were with him when they, they heard Jesus talking about all this stuff and warning Peter. And, and then Jesus saw and made the eye kind. They saw the whole thing. What do you think they thought about Peter? Wouldn't you at least think, dude, Jesus warned you. Jesus even told you he's praying for you that you make the right. Oh, Peter. Can I tell you this morning? Jesus called. And Jesus is still calling. 
But what's your opinion of you? Where are you in this relationship with God? Have you ever stepped out and said, okay, I'm going to follow you? Or maybe you've been like Peter, or maybe you've been like me, that you did some things and you're like, oh man, I knew I should have done that. You might even think that you're disqualified. Jesus is still calling for service and supporting the service. That you plant your acorn. Ultimately, he's still standing at your door knocking. Will you please bow your heads with me? Jesus is standing at your door. And I don't care who you are and where you're at in this walk with God. Whether you've never started it or you've been on it like I have for many, many years, we've all missed it. We've all had times that we say, man, I wish I could go back and do that over again. So I'm asking you this morning, are you ready to begin? Where do you find yourself today? Right now. What messes have you made? You've not gone too far. You haven't missed it too much. Hear me. God hasn't given up on you. Today I invite you to come to him. Today I invite you to come back to him. That's you. I want you to say this simple prayer with me. This is private. This is between you and God. Public is when you get baptized. That's your public declaration. But right now, this is between you and God. Say these words. Say, Jesus, I've tried to do it all on my own. But I've made mistakes. My life's a mess and I need you. I invite you to come live inside of me. Save me change me. Show me what and how to do it. Today I'm changing my mind. Not going to live by what I see. But I choose to trust you. What your word says. I put my faith in you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Father, I pray for everyone who said that prayer. Lord, whether it's right now, this exact moment in time, or whether it's next week, or whether it's years from now or months from now, Lord, whatever your word is not bound by time or space, your arms are there to welcome. Father, I thank you the great rejoicing there is in heaven for every single one that made that decision. Lord, I pray for even the one who needs to rewind the the, the podcast or the video just a little bit. Maybe they said, I, I, I'll do it another time, but they'll rewind it and go back and do it right now. Father, I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If that was you this morning, I want to ask you to take one more step. We've told you about our number that we have for communicating as a church and I want you to text the word NEXT, N-E-X-T, to 469-289-1114. And you'll see it at the bottom of your screen. It's going to say text the word NEXT 
to 469-289-1114. That way we know how to further communicate with you and to give you your, your next steps if you'd like to take them. We also want to know your testimony. Michael talked about earlier that we see people are watching and listening from all over the world and all over the country, and we want to know what's going on in your life. So please send us a text, send us an email, letting us know what's going on, and invite somebody to join in with you. Whether you're watching us live, whether you're watching it after the fact, whether you have a watch party and you just invite a friend over, it's the easiest thing in the world to invite somebody to come over and say, hey, we're going to watch this church. I want you to hear this message. Lastly, if you want to be a part of the financial success of this ministry, I invite you to go to givetobelong.com. And there you'll see the different categories for paying your tithes and your offerings, which God calls us to give 10% of our income. Then he gives us an opportunity to give gifts above that and to give to missions and to give to special offerings. So all those categories are there, and that's all at givetobelong.com. Well, if you'll stand up to your feet one more time, we're going to pray and be dismissed. Father God, I speak a blessing. Father, I stand in the office of a pastor that you've placed and anointed. God, and in that place, I speak a blessing over everyone who sent in a connection card. Lord, everyone that sent in a text to let us know about themselves, Lord, for every prayer request that's come in and the ones that are coming in. Lord, I speak a blessing over everyone who's given to this ministry this week. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in our lives. I thank you that none of us are too far gone that you're right there praying and interceding for us. You're cheering for us to plant the seed and to go forth. Father, I speak a blessing over all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.